Welcome to the Beer in a Movie podcast, a podcast where we combine two of the greatest art forms known to humanity, beer and movies, sometimes achieving outstanding pairings and other times giving ourselves the opportunity to wash the terrible taste of failure from our mouths. I'm Dave Gurney and I'm here with Carlos Cooper and Joe Hillier. And we are here this week to talk beer and movies, as always, and we have a movie um, right out of the gate here that uh, is getting getting a lot of buzz these days, a much-anticipated film from a much-celebrated uh, director. But before we jump into the movie, we always want to get our glasses um, properly moistened here with some liquid. <laughs> what? Isn't that all right? No? You didn't no, like that's that? good. I like okay. that. I'm going to start using that. Yeah. And uh, and actually, this may tip some <laughs> folks off if you didn't already look at the episode title as to what movie we're going to be watching. But this is a beer from Evil Twin, which I believe we have had. Yeah, a couple times. Yeah, on the we show. Evil Twin before. Big so, ass money stout, most notably, That's right. With the pizza, pizza and money. money. And Ooh. money in the brew. Right. Now, <laughs> before we get too far into this beer, do you think that people think that we have canned intros that we just kind of alternate oh because we do it live every time but we do it yeah, live yeah i don't yeah. I, I hadn't thought of it i mean i didn't think about it until just now i think that our like i know that we have got some really loyal listeners and i imagine that they would hear nuances between i would hope right so. and we always roll right into the saying our names yeah and that's then, true. you know that's so true. i, I no feel like that would be tough to to can, can but you're right. The, the, there are sometimes. Fuck well, it, we'll do it live. <laughs> it was just it was just a thought that crossed my yeah. mind as we were getting into this one. But yeah, like you said, we have this from Evil Twin Brewing. It's the Irish ish coffee stout. Uh, comes in at a healthy 10.3 percent. It's an imperial stout brewed with lactose and demerara sugar. Uh, also with nutmeg, vanilla, medium toast, oak spirals, and coffee added. Product of the Glad USA. they went with the medium because I hate it when they go yeah, with that. You same. Know, this, this, is, this, is in, spirals are this is inspired by an iconic cocktail with a twist of modern of what modern beer should taste like. An imperial stout shaken up with comfort, creaminess, and nostalgia. Mm-hmm. <laughs> well, so quit describe quit describing and start moistening. Yeah, right. <laughs> right. My my glass. Don't mind if I moisten. My glass is dry <laughs> as a bone. Oh, now now it's looking good. Okay. Wow, Thank that you. is dark and thick. Ooh, I like. I'm definitely getting the. Uh, now I apologize for not there. knowing the classic cocktail Irish coffee from like off the top of my head. It's going to be uh, like an Irish whiskey in coffee with with a cream element always. Um, I you usually know, Bailey's. I was going to okay. say yeah. I think I think Bailey's gets incorporated though. I think even just Irish whiskey into a coffee already gets it too. This isn't beer in a cocktail, so Irish coffee. Yeah, um, but uh, Will Will makes an Irish coffee all the time, and it, it's the nitro. Oh, with Bailey's and, and Jameson, I think. Wow, that it's sounds that good. I want to try beautiful uh, espresso colored head on it, mm-hmm. not too thick, and it smells delicious. Yeah, Amazing. getting the woodiness there. So good, good job on those medium toast oak chips. <laughs> we moistened spirals. the glass spirals. Spirals. With, spirals. Some, with some woodiness. <laughs> it's the spirals they use because it increases the surface area. Then never mind. I made all of it up. That that could be. I, I think that was pretty close. I imagine that we're there. Um, so, so if you couldn't tell already from the title of the episode or from this beer pairing, uh, we're going to be talking about Morton's, 
<laughs> Morton. Morton Scorsese. Morton, Morton Sabatnik. Oh my gosh. Morton Downey Out of Jr. the gate. Uh, Martin Scorsese's uh, newest film, The Irishman, uh, released in theaters earlier in November, but then on Netflix as of November 27th. You're going to watch it tonight. That's right. And it plays my, my most anticipated film since uh, of the year since Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. Yeah, I was you, really, really looking forward to we, this. One. We've we've mentioned this one on the yeah. on the podcast before. This is uh, definitely one that well, it's been talked about for years now. I mean, this is a Has project. It? it well, it's it's a project that's been kind of in quote unquote development hell. Uh, where I think it was the mid two thousands where De Niro wanted to get this thing made. Had read the book, um, got Scorsese interested. They had been trying to put something together. Okay. And then finally, it was like around 2015, I think he was working on Silence. It was announced that the next project oh, would be... Was that be... the one with Adam Driver? Yes. About the priest? Yes. I also just want to say that I have taken literally one sip of this beer and am thoroughly and comprehensively drunk already. <laughs> <laughs> Out of 10.2. That's, that's a heavy 10.3. Yeah, it's just yeah, got, it's it's got that booziness up front. I, well, I know we're not supposed to talk about it till later, but the no, first it's... sip kind of went straight into the, like the middle of my oh i know what right you mean there. that's i just took my first sip that, yeah. that's definitely a boozier flavor than so so this movie is based on a book i did i okay so just right off the top i have not been anticipating this movie the way everybody else has i heard about it and i was like okay that's cool that's mm-hmm. fine like yeah and i was just waiting for it to come and was gonna watch it i wasn't really i it took me like a week to watch the first trailer i didn't read anything about it nothing like that so i did not know that it was are you not a scorsese devotee not devotee Mm -hmm. no by no means i thought shutter island was eh, and Mm -hmm. i thought wolf of wall street was really just kind of even more bland than shutter island was i didn't find it particularly interesting uh so nothing and then the silence thing i just totally skipped so Hmm. nothing he's done in a while uh has captured me the way did that... you see hugo that's the one out of the recent no, ones that i can think i didn't like yeah. i think i think the last thing i remember being really kind of captivated by was probably the departed yeah uh, which is great and then and then obviously i've seen i mean we talked about taxi driver and kings of comedy not the, or king of comedy not kings plural that's the def jam comedy tour uh spinoff <laughs> thing a little bit um different. wasn't it like a subsidiary of it What's it? The, was it like a an spin-off? Offshoot? An what offshoot. That's what probably. I was Probably. I don't know. Um, I don't know that well enough. Shouts out Cedric, Cedric the Entertainer. Uh, well, he's... Okay, so obviously I recognized... Uh, um, he was the King's Comedy guy, wasn't he? He is, yeah. Absolutely. He totally was. He was right like, the, like the main guy. Yeah, I'm laughing he remembering the conversation we had just uh, before the, the recording. Uh, yes, right. Yeah. No tangents oh, this yeah, episode. No, no tangents. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's all so far. So obviously when I was watching this, I recognized a lot of, like, you know, Jimmy Hoff is a very yeah. notable figure in American history. But this was based off a book. Do we, as you just said, do we know how factual it was? I really, I just want to get that no, what I, I mean, so this was a book written by um, Steve Zalian, I think is the is the author's name, and he supposedly conducted a number of interviews with um, elderly Sharon. Sharon. Right, exactly. So kind of that stage of his Ed life, Sharon, <laughs> depicted in the film there yes. uh, when he's sort a very of in, Game of Thrones esque introduction, just kind of came out of nowhere, and that Ed Sheeran's the star of the film <laughs> the rest of the time. Uh, um, so, but but a lot of people have disputed. So I mean, it's based on. Frank Sheeran's recollections, okay. late in life, as distilled by this guy who did these interviews with him. Okay. And again, 
you know, the more lot- time that I am immersed in the social media news cycle, mm-hmm. uh, the the more I hate it. And so, right after the Irish, hate the Irishman? No, 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 no. The net news cycle concept, oh, like, of, because so right after the Irishman went out on Netflix, there was a whole spate of articles whose of headlines I did, I did not click about. This is just not what happened. Okay. Yeah, so well, gives a shit. Well, I think that what we are seeing is one man's story, and as factual or not as factual as it is, it's certainly a story that 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 Scorsese wove and you can enjoy or not enjoy, but you don't go to this movie or really any movie. Well, there are some movies maybe that you do for historical accuracy. And I'm going to decry all elements of, I want to correct something before I just realized I named the screenwriter there. Yeah. He wasn't the one who did the, it was a reporter. It was Charles Brand. Oh yeah. Charles, uh, shouts out to Charles Brand. That's what I said. We got your back. Uh, Uh, yeah, yeah, I I didn't I didn't click on any of those articles either, and you're right, it's not a documentary, right. so we shouldn't be too hung up on that. Right, but, no, I, but, but it, I was but just curious. I think it's and up. it's a good point because anytime you do a film that is some form of biopic or is dealing with historical figures, um, you know, of the criminal underworld, of the political elite, whatever, you stand the chance of really coloring people's interpretations of that time period. And and I think especially like a film like this, right, where so few people, I mean, there's even a scene in this film where his nurse doesn't know who Jimmy Hoffa is, right? Right. That's circa 2003. You know the name, but I bet we could ask any number of people right now in their teens, 20s, even 30s, hey, do you know who Jimmy Hoffa is? And It might take them, they might not be able, yeah, the name sounds familiar. And if they do, they boiled it down to one sentence. And isn't that the guy that was a was teamster under who, some who disappeared and Giants. they never found the body? I mean, you know, and well, so in this film, we see a version of what happened to Jimmy Hoffa. Yeah. Do I walk away from this film and say, that's what happened? And yeah. therefore, that now history has been written? No. no it's, right. a, it's a film. You're supposed to enjoy it. Right. Uh, famously, but, or not famously, not yet, but number one trending on uh, Twitter today, uh, Billie Eilish, who's 17 or 18 or something like that mm-hmm. didn't know who Van Halen was so I'm positive that there are so many people that don't know who Jimmy Hoffa yeah, is wow that, hey, I'm okay with Billie Eilish not knowing who Van Halen yeah, was yeah it's not yeah, that deep that's a good thing that's a good thing well so should we synopsize the plot good luck <laughs> well so we've already said this is about the re- the recollections of his life this this character Frank Sheeran who was an Irishman right he, he was he was a, uh, an Irish American who had fought in World War II Came back, um, was, was a truck he really driver. Irish American? Yeah, he was Irish, right? Yeah, he was Irish. Okay. Yeah, that's yeah. why they called him the Irishman. Sheeran. Remember, I, he got I, the I thought, Teamster I, ring and the big uh, uh, flowery ceremony, and it said only three people have this. Only three people have this ring, and only one of them is Irish. The idea that he is Irish and introduced into okay. and able to navigate this world of mafia and world of Teamster politics is notable. I I, I just assumed at the top that his. Uh, n- the Irishman thing was ironic. Oh, the no, way yeah. you would call like a really big guy tiny. Uh, <laughs> you might call the Italian guy. No, in fact, remember it was noted. How do you speak Italian? Because whenever I fought in the war, yes. I, it was, I, I remember that Italy. scene. Yeah. But yeah. yeah, I guess I just don't remember anyway. it being. So well, you, David, you were synopsizing. Right, synopsize so, away. World War II vet uh, is is <laughs> is driving trucks for a living, um, but also maybe doing a little shady side dealing. Oh, he's Irish. <laughs> <laughs> Doing the shady side dealing. Right. Um, And and then sort of gets pulled into the world of organized crime slash union organizing, uh, which, you know, a lot of what this film is about is the interconnections between those two worlds. 
uh, in uh, the 1960s, well, 50s, 60s, into the 70s and 80s. And what you see is kind of his rise through the ranks and him making these bonds with a couple powerful figures, Russell Buffalino, played by Joe Pesci, and the uh, already named Jimmy Hoffa being played by Al Pacino here. Mm -hmm. So not only do you have these sort of big historical figures in terms of their connections to the criminal underworld and or unions, but you also have these three actors who are very much icons of that genre. American cinema of the 70s, 80s. Yeah. Well, I would say all three of them played all of their best roles as mafioso or, well, or, or organized crime element criminal. Right. You think that Al Pacino, Robert De Niro, and Joe Pesci mm-hmm. in The Irishman delivered the best performances as mafia no, people in not their one careers? Of them. For, for Al Pacino, it's Michael Corleone. For Joe okay. Pesci, it's Goodfellas. And for, uh, or maybe Casino, but I, I would side on the, on the side of Goodfellas there. And for De Niro, it's Goodfellas as well. Okay, because I thought you said they did. Case closed. Did perform their best in The Irishman. No, no, no. no, 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 no. He was just saying in this genre, in, yeah. the, oh, in okay. the mob. Their best or... roles have been mob roles. Oh, Scorsese's okay. best film, in my opinion, is a mob film. You put okay. all that in a soup in 2019 where they have not. Um, Okay, okay, yeah, yeah. been involved no, 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 in these no. elements, but yeah. then it's, there's going to be a lot of buzz about it. It just, it just sounded to me like you said this was all of them at their best, and I was like, whoa! And then the, <laughs> the question becomes then, okay, so here they are. It has been created, long gestating, yeah. as David pointed out, uh, eagerly anticipated. Three and a half hours long. Scorsese, he's not as, uh, I don't know if it's his biggest budget, but it's a huge-ass budget, $149 million, and his... Said 59. There you go. The 10, 10 extra million well, the 10 for just de-aging. Got added on right now. Come and on. then you've got uh, uh, Scorsese's longest screen time. So, I mean, I guess the question is, did it deliver? Did it, Joe? You've been after this one for a while. Uh, I can go first, or what you, you, can go, you, you ready? Go first. Okay. Gonna, um, I, I'm waiting to hear what you have to say. I <laughs> loved bits and pieces of this film. Uh, notably, the things about... I love mafia movies. My top three films are mafia films. Uh, of, of all time, God, Godfather one and two, depending on the temperature, and Goodfellas is number three. So these are my favorite movies. Well, there might not there are people that might be listening to us. For oh, the first that's time. good. Point. Sure. Thank you, Carlos. Right. The, the, well done. Right, and and you know, Pulp Fiction is up there as well, and the other films as well. But regardless, it's uh, it's it's like I said, it's a return to a movie, Goodfellas, the pedigree of it at Al Pacino that I love so much, and so therefore, uh, Scorsese delivers many fantastic scenes. And I think that the performances here are excellent, although I am distracted by Al Pacino and the whole thing he's doing in the last half of his career. The, all the, the over-guttural delivery he's, of lines. He's doing um, his character from Dick Tracy over and over and over again. <laughs> huh. I, certainly. I mean, Nobody too deep a cut. <laughs> and sometimes it hits. <laughs> sometimes it hits, scent of a woman. But I think it's become so one note that uh, I get distracted by it here. Huh. The pro- and I love the epic feel of it. I saw some headlines that I did not click on that said the the people are saying that the movie is boring. I certainly was never bored. The pacing is intentionally not. I want to say slow because it covers a, a long, certainly running time and period of time. But I'm never bored by it. Yeah, I wouldn't say it's slow. A lot happens. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, right. And, and and the story is interesting enough to keep you engaged. Overall, however, this is not. Scorsese's magnum opus by any stretch of the imagination, hmm. and I, 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 I now will will uh, turn the floor over to you guys and, mm-hmm. and probably pepper you with a, a little more. Okay, pepper away. Spice. Well, 
So I, I'm going to come out of the gate and say, seeing this, um, I, d- I don't think this is a perfect film by any stretch. Mm-hmm. Uh, no Jojo Rabbit to, to, call, to do a callback to our last episode. Um, but Near perfect. Near perfect, okay. But I do think this is actually the film that I needed to see from Martin Scorsese right now. Um, and when we get to the second half of the episode, I think I'll maybe be able to make more connections as to why I'm so pleased with this film in the in the way that it plays out. Um, I, I do think that it is a deliberately paced film. Right, you're right. Um, it's a very somber film. It's a, it's a very unromantic film. It's a very... Um, I, I mean, I do think there's legitimacy to even calling it boring. I think it's trying to bore us a little bit with some of the details of the life. Because I think in some ways, this film is a corrective to some of the stuff that happened in those earlier mob films. That um, that there is regret. There, You see... It's not as glamorous. Yes. Because the, you always see in those mob films prison time or some kind of... of Punishment, but even that can still be romantic. Well, yeah, but I mean, for your behavior. But I, I feel like I'm going to start spoiling the second half of the episode here. But yeah, I mean, like I just watched, rewatched the prison scene in uh, in Goodfellas, which is like the most romantic version of prison stay that you can. I mean, like the cutting of the garlic there is kind of like an iconic, you know, moment and just culinary uh, expression on film. Well, allow me to take a left turn. Uh Those moments are fewer and far between, and it is so unfair to compare this film to any other Scorsese or any other mafia film, but you can't help but do it because missing are several of the key ingredients that make some of those other films much, much for me more ultimately enjoyable and but you see a few of them like when he's talking about how you do a hit and go to the bathroom before you before you do because you don't want to be uncomfortable and he's just yeah. talking matter-of-factly about yeah. the job mm-hmm. uh the choosing of the gun the 32 is a, like a girl's gun and the 38 or yeah i don't not a girl's gun uh, yeah I, I might get it a little bit wrong but he says some of that that kind of thing a 38 does a lot of damage, 22 is not enough. Yeah, I mean, when you see the nuts and the bolts and the nitty and the gritty, I'm reminded of Goodfellas, a film I like so much. But then, again, the pacing, the, what is the right word? The intricacy mm-hmm. that he goes to in this film. Yeah. The performances, however, I believe are, are pretty awesome. Yeah. Um, the only problem that I had with performance in this film had more to do with the... Say it, CGI. Oh, uh, okay. The, then, then There's anything CGI else. In it? Well, the the <laughs> age. You, are you are you kidding? Or I just thought it was makeup. Oh yeah. no, no. This was like, and that was part of the press around this was like how much they were using um, the de aging CGI. The de aging CGI that they used stuff. Used it with... too recently, mostly on Finn Wolfhard because he jumped the weird was, puberty gap between the, the filming of the right. Two films. Like, what was the, the other one? Were you back? not distracted a little bit? Like, I totally on, was. Those oh, like no, when he's yeah. supposed to be a young truck driver. Yeah, yeah. and, and, and the war. he looks like. At best, maybe like a forty-five to fifty-year-old Robert De Niro, like yeah. kind of carrying himself which is, in a strange which is way. Great, given the context. No, it's you it's know? all right, but but it was a little distracting. That's the most for you can me. hope. For. But he had the he especially had the... with Joe Pesci calling him kid. And that the... part I found strange. <laughs> yeah. I definitely found that strange. But I get that, like you know, I gave him the benefit there are limits of the doubt. to what you can. Yeah, I gave yeah. him the benefit of the doubt on that. Now, as far as 
Um, I found the CGI completely distracting, and I began playing a game with myself. CGI, no, yes. Okay. Oh, there it is See, again. Uh, I didn't think it was CGI, though. I thought to, again, thought reference makeup, an iconic yeah. American film. It was Dick Tracy-esque yeah. kind of Practi- facial practical, makeup. Practical makeup effects. I, yeah, it seemed yeah. more like, especially with Joe Pesci. Yeah. I thought they just, like, kind of smoothed out De Niro a little bit. Mm-hmm. Uh-huh. In a, you know, in a way, I don't know. I'm not a special effects makeup artist. I don't know how they would do that. But with Joe Pesci, it seemed like they added shit to his face mm-hmm. because they couldn't deal with just what was just there to make him yeah. younger enough. Right. And I did find that distracting. I just you didn't know I the, didn't recognize it as CGI. And again, goddamn that that media cycle because they, they want to talk about that over and yeah, over and over yeah. again. And that kind of that, that took well, that's me out it. Of it I mean, that, I questioned myself as I was watching yeah. it. Am I fixating on this? especially early on in the film because I've been reading about this three camera process that they have going on Mm -hmm. and that they're shooting it this way so that they can do this de-aging stuff Mm -hmm. or would it stand out to me even if I didn't know that stuff which I guess is a process of filmmaking which would drive up a budget Yes, well, I think that it's is. Because not $159 million on the screen. God, no. No, I mean, there were... In its length. A lot of locations, a lot of actors. I mean, the, believe, there's a lot of logistics that would go into yeah. shooting this film. There so are I, a lot of locations. I, I, it would cost money to make, yeah. but no, I think a lot of it was in the effects budget, which is strange because it's not a very in a traditional sense, an effects-driven no, film. No, not at all. Um, you know, in not fact... Not a ton of action. Incre- right, incredibly restrained in terms of its action and the way even it depicts the violence that you do see, it's fairly restrained, right? Well, I, it's certainly not I'm, glamorized. I'm but what, Well, they, no, but I'm, I mean, like, even compare it to so In the way that you film. saw in Casino, for example, when they beat the shit out of Joe Pesci and they show it and they show it and they show it and they show it. They, not right. a lot of that here, you're right. Yeah, I mean, there's just not a lot of blood on the screen. There's not yeah. a lot of... E- again, even like the the uh, when he beats up the grocer for for bumping his daughter, which wide was, shot, right? It's Very ke- wide it's kept shot. long the entire yeah. time. They don't get any closer. You're not seeing that hand getting stomped into the curb. You're just hearing it and kind of seeing it from a far, from a distance. Yeah. Um, which I think is just as effective. Um, although that was also one of the scenes where it seemed apparent to me that. De Niro is not an actual 30-plus-year-old man. He's Correct. like more of a 70-plus-year-old man. <laughs> and some of He's the kind CGI... of holding his arm. I rewatched that scene like three or four times. Oh, did because, you? Well, it struck me as so odd when I was watching it the first time. It was earlier today. I was like, i got to watch that again. And he's like, I don't know. There's something very... I don't know. Watch it again. It's, unca- right. it's kind of a weird effect. I don't know. Well, to go back to that point about the violence um you had mentioned earlier david that you thought it was kind of a corrective for some of the other yeah uh, gangster stuff he had done and i did find um in this the uh the violence to be i don't know if it was necessarily understated because there was a lot of blood splatter and stuff like that like on the wall and like yeah. you know you would see it and like it, it wasn't just like it wasn't like a um you know like a cartoon like kids action movie where you know someone gets shot and you don't really see anything they just kind of fall over or something you know it was there was some graphicness to it but i thought one thing that i noticed is that in most of those scenes there's no score Mm -hmm. and it makes it realer and more kind of horrific how just like um almost transactional yeah it is and how 
That's it, a very good way to put it. Matter because of I think fact, that's exactly it is, what it is. Because you know, normally when you get scenes like that in a movie, there's you know this dramatic score that's building this tension, and there's you know there's weight to all of these things, whether it's emotional weight or whether it's excitement, action pack, bang bang bang, explosion kind of thing. Yeah. And in this one, it's just a dude just like killing people. Transactional. Kind of, and it's kind of fucked up when you watch it, and you're just like, oh shit, he's just doing this, especially. Spoiler alert, when he kills Hoffa. Because mm. he just, like, does it. I right. mean, he does hesitate and stuff, and you can tell, you know, obviously there is dramatic tension being built there, but when he does it, it's so quick, yeah. it's so matter-of-fact, and it's so transactional that you're like, this is fucked up. Even as we're and, talking about it, I find myself thinking, I liked it, I liked it, I liked it. I really did like it. Yeah. The, the the killing of Hoffa, the decision, uh, the the nature of loyalty. Are You have to be more loyal to Russ, yeah. uh, the Joe Pesci character who got you here, uh, and and also we have exhausted all means of trying to keep Hoffa in reign. So therefore, yeah. now we must conduct a transaction for our entire lifestyle to continue going and as not, we're and all not just, enjoying. And not just theirs, but it, I mean, it's a very utilitarian decision of like, this is going to benefit more people than it's going to harm. We have to get this done because right. if we continue to let him run loose and stuff, yeah. it's only going to create more and more and more problems, and more and more people will be affected. So let's just get it done. The transactional and, notion. Sorry. Um, and so, and then we talked about the pacing earlier mm-hmm. too, uh, which I haven't remarked on yet. And I think that it is intentional, and I think that the pacing does kind of help with what I just said about the violence, making it more real, making it uh, less glamorized, less romanticized. Um, but I will say that there was like a mid for a middle forty five in there somewhere that I kind of was just like all right zoned out I, I didn't zone out i was still watching it but i did get i let's did go, get let's a go let's go let's go let's go the first hour and a half i was like locked in mm-hmm. and i was mm-hmm. like fuck this is good and then it gets a little slow and then it kind of picks up a little bit towards the end and the ending's kind of i guess whatever but uh the code of the last 30 minutes the old man yeah. regret or <laughs> if that's even what it is the, yeah. the reconnection with the daughter the attempted reconnection attempted, with the yeah. daughter the mm-hmm. attempted reconciliation with a priest yeah all that stuff which the, i don't believe the, trying to confess a lot of that yeah you yeah, don't believe I mean, a lot of i don't that. believe do the mean? priest part i don't believe the uh uh i do believe and i hope that we do get to talk about the daughter father relationship peggy with uh anna paquin mm-hmm. um the transactional notion one of my favorite scenes was you're 15 minutes late and you're yeah. wearing shorts yeah and you're wearing shorts and you know we're, 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 we're here to have to a, meeting. a meeting you always wear a suit to a meeting i don't yeah. care if you're in miami or timbuktu mm-hmm. you wear a suit to a meeting that trans transactional is a great word the the level of respect that is due one another in this underworld not even underworld all of the time but in this world that we have created for ourselves but it's but it's all of it's all smoke and mirrors that's the that is the thing about but it's the short it's the language it's the shorthand of this it, world it is, that we but have it chosen is, but it is a totally duplicitous language it of is, course we will act all civilized and proper and we have these codes and these ethics that we live by and yet if you misstep fuck you we kill you if you do this we kill you you know like life is cheap in this world yeah life is totally disposable in this world and yet it and you it see counts it. it counts if you show up in shorts it doesn't count if I shoot you in your face when when you've and done we, some small mistake. We see because, the because nature it's, because of... it's all about fragile egos. Yeah. No. Absolutely. I mean, it is totally masculine bullshit yeah. on display, yeah. and that is what I like about this film so much is that it is the one Scorsese mafia film that I feel like 
has totally, I don't think there's any reading available here other than this is a terrible, terrible way for people to live. I, I watch this film, and the reason why I'm saying, because those other films, I think you can it's read quite, those films. Oh, yes. yeah, you can be like, and, fuck yeah. And we can talk ass. more about that, mm-hmm. you know, when we're talking about Goodfellas in the second half. Um, but it's there in Casino. It's even there in Mean Streets, yeah. which is a tortured film. It's it's there in, you know, so many of those male violence scenarios yeah. that I don't feel it here at all. And that and that really sort of intrigued me with this film. Now, I do think it, I, I get what we're saying about the pacing and everything. But again, I think that's partially deliberate. So you liked it a lot. I did. Yeah. I mean, I, I think, like I said, this is the film I needed to see Martin Scorsese yeah. make right I, I now did too. I'm just to just, win me over. I, I'm not... After, after what? After some missteps? To win me over to the idea that it was... It was worthwhile for him to make another mafia picture. Okay, you yeah, know what I mean. That was Valid. very up for debate. To me, I feel like that was my biggest. He, I, I'm, I'm with you. I think I'm impressed by some of the work he's done before. I have problems with it. We, mm-hmm. we'll, we'll talk more about that later. But I was not sold when I heard about this project. Other than the well, fact, I respect these actors. I respect this director. I respect some of the other people involved with the production. I want to see what they're going to do. But I was very on the fence about does it need to be a mafia picture couldn't we find some other vehicle for these people to get together and do we've seen a king of comedy we've seen other films come from this you know arrangement of people we've Mm -hmm. seen raging bull even Mm -hmm. which is also about male violence but um at least do we need to see this Uh, and i think i did before we move on to the the peggy angle i will say that i enjoyed the notion that every once in a while you just get a freeze frame and see the like how disposable everyone in this community is by saying this person died by uh by a a nail explosion under the porch this person died six shots to the head in prison this you know and and then there's the one guy everyone liked him that everyone died died of natural causes um i you know, just to kind of echo uh, David's sentiment, I I did also feel very similarly when I saw this. I was like, I I get it. You're good at these movies, right? And people like but it when you make 2019, them. But in 2019, do you really need to make one? Is there anything left to do in this genre, uh-huh. in this like very specific type of film that you're good at doing? And I still don't know that there really was an. I don't think there was a need for this film, but I do think that it especially after we've talked about it, I kind of like it a little more than I yeah, did me too. earlier. Even, even like as soon as I finished it, I was like, I don't know if one viewing is enough for me to really be able to Look forward to a have a really well thought out critical view of this mm-hmm. at, the, uh, at this time. There's a lot of meat to chew on. And so, yeah. And so I Googled and I read a couple of headlines um, I didn't really click on any of the articles because, you know, there was like the how factual is this mm-hmm. and uh, all that kind of bullshit that um, I didn't really find, think was going to be that interesting. But there was one article that I did click on and that I did read, and it was Robert De Niro defends Saw that. Anna Paquin's mm-hmm. Pac- Paquin. Paquin. I was like in between Paquin and Pacquiao for some reason. <laughs> Pacquiao, <laughs> Manny Pacquiao. Um, don't don't yeah. forget the Asian uh, delicacy Pockies. Go ahead. <laughs> okay. Um, and yeah, she doesn't say anything. And so obviously there's seven words be of dialogue. Seven words yeah. of dialogue. And I, and I mean, it's not like she's not in it a decent amount. Like right. she's got some screen time. She's not a, a lot. She's not got a, a few lot, scenes, but no, you're not a ton. But for se- she's got more screen time than you would expect for someone. Like like if I said, 
she only has seven words in the film, you'd be like, oh, she's in it for a scene. Mm-hmm. But yeah. it's more, it's definitely more than that. Like, um, right. What's the word I'm looking for? Um, proportionately, they yeah. don't add up. Um, but I, I found her scenes and not just her scenes. Let's not, right. uh, take away credit from the girl that plays the younger version of her, right. whose name I don't remember. Um, but she delivers the same kind of emotional gravitas sure. to her performance that, and she's Anna also the, she's the connection, she's the human connection to Hoffa. That's important yes. to note is that well, this it, is a real relationship she, with real families that yes. are really together. Yes, that's that's true, um, and yeah, that especially comes into play the fact that you know this is a business that is very transactional and that has a low. Um, value of human life and things like that but because of the way that it's all organized and the fact that you are just like human beings you end up getting connected and getting involved in these relationships where your actions and these you know your low regard for human life does have consequences outside of just the business and the egos of people and that character is a good example of that because she's obviously very effective when Hoffa goes missing Um, but it is really interesting to see her yeah, she is a through line through the film, and she is the one that is not so like disassociated from the like horror of what's happening. Like the entire time, even if she doesn't know for sure, her suspicions of the malicious and like violent activity that's going on, and the look on her face every time she is even remotely near or aware of it kind of helps to yeah as david mentioned earlier again coming back to the corrective nature of the film it brings you back into that space where you know there is a part where the film gets a little faster paced and he's doing hits and he's you know you know painting houses and whatever Uh and and it's getting some rhythm to it and it's that rhythm that can get you going like oh yeah this is fun like this is action you know Mm. whatever but it's those scenes with her when it does Silent get into there, watching him leave, and those those quick shots of her stone face, just like Silent him, judgment. Yeah, mm-hmm. that again add to that corrective nature mm-hmm. of yeah. this compared to some of his other ones, and bring it back to if the violence wasn't enough, the way it's depicted in this one is more realistic and uh, not as romanticized. If that didn't hit you or didn't register with you, then surely this girl had to have, you know, whether the younger or older version of her. Yeah. Um, But I have a problem with armchair critics saying that uh, the solution here is to give this character more lines or that character more lines because of gender or or anything else. Wasn't that our our other uh, option for calling the podcast? Wasn't it going to be armchair critic? (laughs) (laughs) I I mean, I don't know that giving her more lines... I was sold by doing this all again with beer and a movie. That was a perfect pitch. First, it was just the movie. Add the beer. We right. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I did yeah, movies yeah. once uh, before. You add beer yeah. to it. I'm back. <laughs> yeah. I, I mean, I mean, I can't say that I think I don't think she should have been given more lines. Like if she had more lines, I would not be mad about it. You know, I'm sure that there's well, one thing well, that Scorsese's done well said, is but... filmmaking economy. I think that's just filmmaking economy. Yeah. I, I really do. I think it was a conscious well, decision. I don't think that there were more lines oh, on the page that were cut from on the cutting room floor. It's also like a Silent Bob situation. Like. Let me think about that. Not necessarily <laughs> that when she speaks in the film, it has some great like, wisdom, great wisdom mm-hmm. or weight or whatever, but it does have to do more with the fact that 
I guess in this situation, it's the opposite of Silent Bob, where the fact that she's not saying anything and that she's given screen time. Well, but she does. I mean, the the little that she does say is powerful critical. and it makes it a point. And it, not in like a, she gets a monologue and she gets right. to dress him How down. How dare you, Father? Yeah. But How she dare asks you? him the one question that he really can't handle at that moment uh-huh. in any realistic way. Yeah. And he has to deal with it. And then yeah. he has to, and then, you know, that launches you into a scene that's really uncomfortable for him and us as an audience, mm-hmm. I think. So, it, I mean, I, I think you're right. It is a case where, you know. Less is more. The Yeah. The one time. Well, the answer really to the has... question is you killed him or were involved in his murder. That's right. the only reason why you but wouldn't you, reach out to this woman that I've seen sure. you be a friend Absolutely. to my entire childhood. Absolutely. So, so she makes the point yeah. um, without. It's a rhetorical question. Yeah. I mean, she, she knows. knows the answer. Well, the truest thing you said all night, Carlos, so far was uh, shouts out to. Uh, damn it! The joke is blown because I can't remember the guy's name. The from Kings of Comedy. Oh, Cedric the Entertainer. Thank you. And also, I think a second viewing is uh, in store for me. Yeah, certainly. I'm looking forward to seeing it again on first view. I I don't know if I couldn't get out of my headspace enough to compare it to the other films that it's going to be completely compared to uh-huh. because of the pedigree of the uh, of the entire film and the history of those and then, actors and filmmakers. Right. Together. And then also, I had problems not with pacing but with story through line that kept you compelled to think that the ending was worthy of the first two-thirds, or the, the yeah. first two hours, really, of the film. The, the last half hour, and I'm sorry, the first three hours, the last half hour being a retribution, not a retribution, let me, let me say that again, a um, conciliatory regret. And, oh, I don't think that at all. I, See, I, that's where... I, that I, did not work well, for I, me. I, I want to get back, I wanna get back to... Me. Let me say yeah, a little David, something David, it's here. all you. Yeah. The floor is So true. that that last half hour Continue. that you're saying didn't work, I think I totally loved that last half hour to me it wasn't about a man he couldn't make amends he couldn't articulate he could not accept anything that he had done he never says to that priest he never confesses this there's never a moment he he tries to yes he goes to the bank he tries to see his daughter right he has nothing that he can say to her he's not willing to say he could never own up to that i think the whole point is this is the end result of living this life. This is the end result of having lied to himself about who he was, who those around him were, and all of that. And he's had to live with that. And yeah, does he get to live a long life? I guess. But how much quality is there in that life? He's become disconnected from his family. He has nobody there to see him. His all of his associates talk. are dead. How many, oh, I didn't even know you had a daughter. Yeah, I have four daughters. Oh, you must be busy. <laughs> yeah. And oh, man, that little like weird laugh that he does and kind of like just nod his head. So deeply sad to me especially as somebody who i value my family and i think a lot of us do i hope right i mean that's something (laughs) (laughs) but you you know just to think like i could dispose of my relationships with my family with my friends in order to be able to what achieve but that's the thing is that i don't buy that the pursuit of what getting that teamster ring at that fancy banquet was his motivation there really was no motivation well it's being part of that world i I mean i do i do think that there is i mean that is the balance in these films right is that like you and so i think in the second half we're i don't think that we can't not talk about the irishman as we continue but right and i and i think you know that shows you much more the sexy side of this and what what maybe compels somebody to do this Mm -hmm. you don't get that in this film this film you kind of go in almost you have to have the foreknowledge of 
okay, this is an alluring profession for some people. Some people get caught up in this world and they like the power of it and they like all this. And here you go. This is what happens in that world. You don't get the the exciting introduction to it in this film. I don't Correct. think in the way that you do in any, any others. So so I think that's failing. The other thing, and, and we'll talk about this more in the second half too, from a visual standpoint, this film, as much as it's <laughs> probably is one of his most effects-driven films other than Hugo, um, is strangely enough one of his most visually restrained films right i mean there's very little i mean there is camera movement but there's not a ton of camera movement certainly in the nowhere beginning. near the kind of uh show-offy camera movement Correct. that i that you've seen from him in the past um just not the same level of in, the, in terms of editorial rhythm very kind of slow rhythm to it there it's it's a restrained film i mean i think this i've heard other people use this term elegiac to like this is like sort of a death of a certain kind of film this is a death of a certain part of his career this is i mean by all means i hope he continues to make films sure. for for many years to come but i feel like this is kind of a a capstone to a certain part of what he's done as a filmmaker and what this cast has done as filmmakers you know as actors yeah i yeah. think he gets points on art direction set set design uh the 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 multi-decade you know all all of the look of the film yeah. is gorgeous gorgeous that's up on the screen cinematography is pretty damn incredible yeah but okay well right yeah it's good it's, no it is it, no, of, it's it, it's beautiful looking but it's not sexy no right correct it's not groundbreaking well speaking either. of sexy and speaking of uh, groundbreaking we <laughs> opened up this irish-ish coffee stout from evil twin brewing 10.3 abv yeah what'd you guys think the 10.3 ABV is all on the screen. <laughs> uh, no, I thought it was pretty good. Um, I mean, it was a little... I mean, you know, so we've had a couple of their beers now and some much higher in alcohol content than this, and I got a little more booze from this than maybe I have from some of their other ones. I, I, I did right off the bat. It kind of smoothed out for me as I was sipping on it, and, yeah. I, and I was getting more of the coffee as, mm -hmm. it, as it went on. Yeah. But I agree with you. I was kind of shocked. I mean, when you mentioned it and I took a sip, it felt... It, yeah. it seemed hotter than a 10.3 percent beer should be on the front yeah but overall experience it might not have been as creamy as i would have expected too given the name yeah. and also the fact the that lactose, you know, there's lactose yeah. in it you yeah. take the um, name off of it you just pour this beer for me it's one of the top 10 beers we've ever drank on this show oh wow. that's good that was delicious I'm glad and i enjoyed it. the balance and you guys know me i i, I like uh the, the boozy doesn't scare me a lot <laughs> oh no me either i mean i really enjoyed it sure. right I, I mean i i can't i can't deny that but but just I would love to have of... a six pack of this in my cellar <laughs> to pull off just on a special night. This a was a one. fantastic beer, and if you can get your hands on it, Joe says pick it up. All right. Yeah, if I could have a six pack of it, that every time I took one out, there was still Replenish? six in there. Badass. <laughs> Different that. kind of film. Different yeah. kind of. Film I'm looking so good. forward to the second half of this show. All you guys. right. Uh, so when we get back, we'll crack another beer, and we will go back in the Martin Scorsese canon to speak a little bit about Goodfellas. And we're back. <laughs> and uh, as promised, we're going to be uh, talking about Goodfellas, the 1990 Martin Scorsese film that seems we, apropos. Yeah, mm -hmm. we thought would probably pair well with with this uh, more recent uh, installment of of his, uh, if we want to call it, series of films about mafia life. But um, 
before we do that, we're gonna we're gonna get some beer in our glass and we're gonna moisten our glass. <laughs> that, that's a, that's a first half of the episode word only. Once in, uh, uh, okay. no, but this is There's uh, rules now. No, no rules. Come on, we're we're not uh, la cosa nostra. Um, what what is, what is we're drinking clown shoes? We are. This, None of us wearing shorts. This is uh, La Bestia Furiosa. It's a Mexican style imperial stout aged in bourbon and rum barrels Ooh. with chilies and spices added. This uh, comes in at ten percent ABV. All right. So they put it in one type of barrel and then put it into a second type of barrel? I'm, I'm actually they, guessing that they, they probably age in separate and then blend. Gotcha. That that would be, I though, I don't know definitely if... Definitely see uh, that being the case. So, yeah, it seems like it's their kind of uh, take on a Mexican style. Mexican uh, style? Yeah, which, which we, you know, there's the Mexican cake from Westbrook, which... Uh, is much celebrated. There's a uh, Chocavesa, which is more of a... I love that beer. Yeah, from uh, Stone <laughs> that you can get. We should do that on the show sometimes. Yeah. I had one. I had this year's batch. It was pretty good. Yeah. Oh, it's always good. I've never had a bad batch of that. Um, so, yeah. But th- but anyhow, this will be fun to sip on here. And, you can uh, smell that chili. And um, Yeah. I do get a hint of chili there. Um, a little less viscous than the that stout we had in the first half and pretty much no head just a ring around the edge of the glass mm-hmm. just a rim job well always to the gut with all person. right <laughs> so speaking of rim jobs we're uh, <laughs> gonna be talking about goodfellas here which is another mafia film also based on the true life experiences though as we already probed in the first half do we truly believe all the things that we heard i mean a lot of henry hill's account that's the main character in goodfellas and the one whose um whose recollections the uh, book is primarily based on the book was actually called wise guy Mm -hmm. not not that was the working title of the film right um, but there had been a couple projects that came out. There was a film called Wise Guys. I think it was Christian Slater. And then there was also a TV series called Wise Guy that was out right around the same time. Sure. So I think d- d- to eliminate any potential confusion there, they ended up going with the the title Goodfellas. But anyhow, this book that sort of a, recounted uh, the life and times of a gangster uh, from, you know, who, who had operated from the mid-1950s up until about 1980 when he was caught for some crimes that eventually uh, got him to sing like a bird and uh, go into the witness, witness protection program. program, yeah. Right. Um, to which he, you know, ignored and appeared on Howard Stern many, many times. Is that right? Oh, yeah. Okay, I didn't know the... the, the Usually the very drunk and or high. Really? Yeah. Ah, yeah. Henry Hill is a tragic figure in the film and in real life, certainly, uh, after he made a deal and, you know, was called Rat for the rest of his life. Hmm. Interesting. But like I said earlier, at the top of the episode, or while we were discussing the Irishman. This is in your this top is three. My, one of my top, this is one of my favorite films of all time. I could watch it over and over and over. To me, it is perfect filmmaking storytelling using the... Concepts of editing and script and certainly performance to just make beautiful music on the big screen that I, for whatever reason, enjoy and many, many people enjoy and most call between this and Raging Bull, one of those two films, the best of Scorsese's career. Yeah, yeah. Um, So this is a film that I, I hadn't watched for maybe it's been... 
gosh, it's probably been at least 10 years. Yeah. Um, but had seen a few times in my youth. And I I am still impressed with it. Don't get me wrong. I'm still very impressed with all of the different elements that you were talking about, the, from the camera work to the narrative structure to the performances and all that. But I do have to say, as time goes on, I'm less and less swept up in the romanticism of it. I mean, okay. the, the there is, in that, you know, I said in the first half of the episode that I think it's very hard to read The Irishman as a celebration of this life that, that these men have, have gone into. And I think with Goodfellas, it's much easier to to do that. And it was definitely... Well, it's the first line of the film. Yeah. For as long as I can remember, I've always wanted to be a gangster. Right. Uh, watching as a child, the the pageantry of it, the... Well, the, the first on. line of the film, after you've seen them stop by the roadside sure. and... St- <laughs> You know, so there is this little sure. prologue uh, that, you know, like a uh, flash forward prologue kind of thing going on there. But you're right. I mean, you're absolutely right. The, the, the still shot. Yeah. Yeah. Go, yeah. yeah. Um, that, that kind of starts with the brutality. And so, I mean, th- that said, I see gestures in there where I could tell. I mean, I know that Martin Scorsese does not condone gangsterism. I right. don't think he wants people to pursue that lifestyle. And yet, I think with Goodfellas, more so than The Irishman, he was trying to show us as an audience what could pull somebody into that kind of lifestyle. And being in a neighborhood where it's a bunch of working class stiffs who are getting nowhere in their lives, and then you see these guys who have fancy cars, access to clothes, um, women, booze, yeah, Yeah. whatever they want seems to be at their fingertips, that there's that power, that Mm -hmm. they're able to make things happen. I think that Yes, I mean that is the view that one would have to have to think, okay, this is this is the route I want to go down. And I think you know in a in a certain sense, I think Goodfellas even more so than Casino, even though we're not talking about Casino, um really almost tips over into a place where there's even when it's bad, it's still pretty sexy in that film. You know what I mean? Like even the crazy freneticism of that, you know, the that drug day. addled 80s. Yes. Yeah. Well, that that day in right. 1980, right, where he's being caught. Like there's like the soundtrack, mm-hmm. right? You're getting stones, you're getting, and it's just like, it's so like exciting and active and they're moving around and yeah, there's a helicopter overhead and they're all, I don't know. It just, it, it strikes me as, but, wow, but this the is filmmaking storytelling it's of that a fun day. Ride. As you describe it, we're going to change the soundtrack. We're going to change the editing. Mm. It's going to be more frenetic to match the the, the cocaine brain that he is right. on that day. It's just so beautiful and well done. I don't have a problem with the the violence of it. I'm a fan of the the mafia hits. Socially, it's disgusting. So, you know, as, as, a, as a member of society, you don't want pain to befall on, on other people. But mm-hmm. in the contracts that they have all made with one another by going into this lifestyle, the only people that you really, you know, mourn are, are anyone that are that is taken innocently that didn't enter into it. But even down to, to the babysitter yeah. who's smuggling the drugs. Right. Uh, yeah. it, it, it's, a, it's a price you can pay. Yeah. No, I, I, I get where you're coming from. It it just becomes less and less beautiful to me mm-hmm. as time goes on. And still, 
I think incredibly skillful filmmaking. Yeah. I, I'm not going to take anything away from there. I Masterclass, think the, the most. Th- this film, in terms of the the editing, in terms of the the choices he made with camera movement, in terms of, like all of that is so impressive. Yeah. And you know, a film that is totally, and he even has has said this, indebted to French New Wave cinema. Sure. Right, the use of freeze frames, yeah. these sorts of touches that are very um, vibrant, exciting kinds of, you know, film watching experiences. But again, in service of something where I don't know that I feel, I mean, the, the coda of this film, right? The 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 sort of br- brief trial that we get and then, you know, him picking up the newspaper and he's going to live the rest of his right. life as the schnook. Right. I know that, <laughs> I know on some level Scorsese wants us to feel like, disdainful about it like we don't like henry hill right but how can you not he's so smart and clever like oh i'm just gonna have to live my life like a schnook now i don't know in the suburbs yeah it's like yeah but i don't i don't know it's i'm torn with this film i mean honestly more torn than i used to be when i when i first i remember seeing this when i was a teenager yeah and it was excitement and fun and oh my gosh how cool is that and can you believe that and like joe pesci you you think i'm a clown you laughing at you know like this like expression of male uh brutality towards one another and how that becomes this currency among them and how the i mean right there was something very <laughs> yeah it's awesome <laughs> I, I don't know at the time it was and now i'm just like Oh my God! This is this is I don't know. What do you think, Carlos? Carlos, we're t- we're dominating here. We're... No, you're fine. Yeah, all your male domination. <laughs> Back off, man. Um, you think I, I'm a critic? You think <laughs> I'm? Just... <laughs> I think that you say it two times. Two times. <laughs> I mean, I think that that scene with Joe Pesci is one of the best in the film. Mm. Wasn't funny to you? you yeah, think I'm funny. Yeah, you know, like fucking incredible. Um, and I, I mean, I don't know, man. I just, <laughs> I just like. I don't think the mafia films have ever really done it for me. Yeah. You know? Like, and I can see that. I, I can understand that I don't think completely. That it, I, I don't think it's ever been like a genre that really captivated me. Yeah. Like, I feel like when I watched The Godfather, I was like young enough and I was like, this is cinema. This is what I'm supposed to like. And then I watched Godfather Part Two, and I was like, yeah, this is still good. And, mm. but, the, but I never want to go back to them. And oh. I don't remember them very well. Uh-huh. And like that genre, I can't think of a mafia movie where I've really been like, yes, I love this. I want more of this. Yeah. You know? And so these movies just don't really affect me. And a substantial way they don't stay yeah. with me i just like i watch them just like i did with the irishman and i was like i get it i think that there were things that were done well here there's some good performances here and now i'm gonna leave it behind and move on right. you know i don't know so it, it's not that i think it's a bad movie yeah. it's just that it's not i can see someone it's not saying my bag baby. yeah i can see someone <laughs> saying i think rocky is fine i just hate boxing films yeah. or Fill in the blank with another kind yeah. of sub genre of a genre. I like Thor Ragnarok, but like I don't like most superhero movies. <laughs> <There you laughs> what do you want from me? Come on. <laughs> I think the other thing we have to mention here, and what was missing in The Irishman, and that's when I said earlier, it's 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 not fair to compare the two films and say that one has to be one because the other was it. Is the humor in this movie? There's so much great. Like there's like funny, funny humorous lines. Of course, um, my clown to you being the most, the one that everybody knows. Mm. But I could I could mention several others. It's uh, 
I, it, I, I, I set it up at the top. I mean, to me, it's just how you... Okay, he is wooing Karen. Mm-hmm. Uh, so let's take a trip and backstage and how you can impress your the lady on your arm by getting a seat and a table created for you on the front row when that seat did not exist before you got mm-hmm. there. And how are we going to show you that? A one shot, the, the very famous shot, I'm mm-hmm. not saying, uh, one shot, single take through the kitchen, mm-hmm. up to the table, bang to the performer. It's yeah. just gorgeous. It's gorgeous mm-hmm. to watch. And it, and it effectively, I think I think the scene ends with Karen admiring him, which mm-hmm. is the whole point of the exercise. Yeah. Um, when she doesn't know what to do and flushes the drugs down the toilet, and that is their own, their last $60,000. That's the last money that they have. Mm-hmm. The, that it is gone, that he is rejected by Polly, his entire life's work to him is with the cash that's in Polly's pocket, which happens to be, I think, $3,300. And now we have no route but to, you know, turn on mm-hmm. it to survive. It's, it's to me, there are real stakes. To me, mm-hmm. it is an absence of the code that I had learned to get here. Yes, I could never. The idea that um, the Joe Pesci character is endearing in his violence so that when he is killed, you go, oh, sh-, you know, I mean, you, you, you feel a, a loss. Yeah, I, I, I mean, I think, th- there you go. I mean, I think that's kind of the transition I've gone through with this film is like, I think you're right. The first time I saw this, maybe even the first but couple times I saw it. But now they are very unlikable th- through That through. I, was, I was charmed by Joe Pesci yeah. in a weird way, yeah. in like a way that I'm kind of find icky right now like i watch it now and i'm like yeah these are i mean that's good performance that and apparently from what i understand that scene in particular was one that was kind of improvised based on something that pesci had witnessed like a guy getting angry with another guy kind of half jokingly but then actually acting out violently after and so i mean you know i know that stuff exists but it kind of repels me more now than it attracts me and so yeah when he was this last time watching it, just, you know, yesterday, <laughs> when he's done away with him, like, thank goodness, this guy should have been killed like tw- 10 years before that. But is it because it's people? presented realistically? Because, I mean, John Wick is, you know, mm. killing people left and right, left and right, but you know right. that you're watching a cartoon. That's a good point. Absolutely. That, I mean, that's a huge part of it. I mean, we talked this, about the kills. We talked about the. Yeah, mm. a- absolutely. And, and I mean, I think. Because you could fact, see these things exist in real life, and you know that John right. Wick is fake. Is that the, maybe it's, the... That's a big part of it. The, the idea of this elite world of assassins that can gather around this secret hotel... You know you're watching a comic book. This is... Exactly. This is fantasy. Mm-hmm. This is, you know, maybe even science fiction, given some of the ways that things happen in that film. Mm-hmm. This is supposed to be rooted... In, and it is rooted in reality. This is the kinds of organizations that exist out oh, there... without a doubt. ...where guys get together and decide we're going to protect our own and we're going to own this territory and we're going to force the people who operate in this territory to pay us tributes. And if they don't, they're going to, you know, like that's... To, to glamorize it is to glamorize it when that is a thing that should not be glamorized. Maybe Yeah, that's, it's just, or, that's or your just, a thing, just a thing that I'm not as comfortable with glamorizing as I once mm-hmm. was. Yeah, and... Th- and and well, you're fine, get all mature. I'm just gonna stay mature over here. <laughs> no, and no, say, no. It's still good awesome. filmmaking. I just want, and I was so glad watching this just recently after having seen The Irishman. It made me feel that much better about The Irishman, where I've said, "Wow, okay, this is to me, this is gonna be the sort of thing that, like, when I'm 
who knows wh- wh- whether I'll, I'll uh, force my children to watch these films someday. <laughs> but if I was, I feel like you'd I do would... it over a delicious Italian meal. Yeah, <laughs> that's what Ra- I did. Razor thin garlic. Oh I, hell yeah! I would. I would definitely be saying, okay, we're gonna watch Goodfellas, Casino, but we're also gonna watch The Irishman, and you're gonna see w- what actually comes out of this world. What 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 this produces? Because again, Henry Hill, right? His punishment. For living this life, for do, for doing what he does, is having to live in the suburbs like some schnook, right? right? A very nice life. A, a very nice life that he hates, that he thinks is beneath him because he was able to ride this wave of power but that's, earlier but in that's, his life. But that's true to the character. You may disagree with oh, that no, character's it's true, outcome. It's true to the character, but, I, but I'm just saying, that's not a story I want to celebrate. I don't want to celebrate that character. I don't... That's the kind of character that I want diminished in our society... I want the the story that's going to give me the insight into these people. Like, what they live is empty, hollow lives. Mm-hmm. That's what I get with De Niro at the end of Irishman. When I see him sitting in that room, that last shot, through the door frame at his assisted living facility, sitting helpless in that chair with not a person in the world who gives an iota of care about him other than those who are being paid to, mm-hmm. that is a beautiful ending for that man. And again, a sad one, but that I don't want to see anybody end up there, but he chose that life, and that's the price he pays. Not a se- still sexy looking Ray Liotta looking over his shoulder, kind of winking at me in the yeah. camera. I, I see your point. To me, it's an encapsulated experience with for these characters. And and like I said, I can't think of filmmaking because I said that's my third favorite film: Godfather One, Godfather Two. Completely different which I style are, of filmmaking. Which those films, I think, in their own right, contain much better mm-hmm. auto criticism than Goodfellas. When does. you're when you're watching Goodfellas, you're seeing one of our. F- most celebrated for a great reason directors at working at the height of his powers and to me the effects are exhilarating i and I, but i completely understand no, your I, point. I understand we can both be right I, we Cheers. both can we both can and and i think you're absolutely right i think in terms of his powers of being able to use the tools of the medium mm-hmm. to to tell a story i think you're absolutely right he is sort of at a certain kind of height there yeah but I don't think he had matured to the point where he was necessarily the storyteller he needed to be to use those tools as effectively as he could and have. And you see was them... He like 55 when he made Goodfellas. Yeah, but that, but I mean, some of us ripen with age, right? I mean. And you see them return to a degree, the filmmaking tools, in Wolf of Wall Street. which Because to me, we could do a whole thing about stellar Scorsese and then next level Scorsese and then bad Scorsese. I don't find Wolf of Wall Street to be up to the level of of, of his best work. God. Mm. But I didn't like it as I didn't dislike it rather as as much as it sounds like you did, Carlos. Yeah. There were elements of it I thought were just yeah pretty great. Yeah, and, and to me, and that's not what we're here to discuss. And, and the reason I brought up Hugo earlier is that I think that yeah. was one of his best films Fun that movie. he's ever made. Yeah, great, great, great and I film. think one that because it doesn't quite fit inside any yeah. the, any of the patterns that he's had earlier in his career that a lot of people don't even think of as a Scorsese film. Correct. You yeah, know that, that, know that. Just my kids sure got that. My sure my kids sure loved it, and I was uh, happy to introduce them yeah. to Scorsese. I think via Hugo. I yeah. think that makes sense. I, that would make sense for sure. Yeah. So, the, oh. w- with Goodfellas, I mean... Carlos, I think, you didn't have a lot to say, did we? I just, all of you? No, I just don't... I don't know, I just don't have any... Another mafia film. Strong feelings about yeah. mob movies, I don't think. Okay. I can't really 
think of one that has particularly well i'm curious be, me, before we jump for, off except it though for maybe uh dick tracy <laughs> <laughs> and uh life without dick anybody ever seen that movie uh-uh no. Send us a, a tweet or a letter if you've ever heard of that one. Uh, Harry Connick Jr. and uh, Sarah Jessica Parker. I haven't seen that. No. Yeah, it's kind of a crappy we'll movie. We'll cut but... this from the episode. <laughs> I hope that we do, but if we don't, the joke would be no. that life without dick leads to a lot of rim jobs. <laughs> no, oh, I really have to gosh. take it out. Wow, we, th- like this has been such a good episode in so many ways. But wait, before we go on, good old fashioned recall. Lose, before good old fashioned recall, we lose the uh, thread here. The use of popular music, we didn't really talk about it in mm-hmm. either The Irishman or Goodfellas, and. I think both of these films, but especially Goodfellas, have been celebrated for their use of popular music. I mean, I I guess I did make quick reference to the Stones. Stones, What did you What did you think as as somebody who is kind of a soundtrack aficionado? Goodfellas soundtrack's pretty on spot. It didn't really stick with me. The Irishman didn't either. I don't. don't See, the Irishman, I felt distilled like it was distilled from Goodfellas' glory. I mean, that I noticed. Like, well, it was it was much less rock propelled. It was a lot more pop and. And if you listen to the Goodfellas soundtrack, it 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 is like a. I hate to use this comparison because Carlos may hit me over the head with this empty beer bottle. It's much like um, Forrest Gump in the sense of you see a. Decade by decade by decade yeah. progression, mm. you know, yeah, hate, which follows, of course, the right. both of those both but, of those films. And I and I do, you know, the, I think that was one of the things with Goodfellas that mm-hmm. excited me so much. I mean, I do remember seeing the trailer even before I saw probably, you know, in in Rags to Riches. It, yes, in advance of that film, seeing it and it using. Um, uh, Right, it uses Layla. It uses part mm-hmm. of Layla, and the, it uses uh, uses the second half of Layla. Second yeah, half, yeah but then good, it, good and it had some other song too. But anyway, like to the point where just, many people listened to Layla and said, "No, this isn't right." That's the Goodfellas song. <laughs> Wait a second, <laughs> this isn't correct. Yeah. Oh, oh, here it is. Yeah. So you know, the, I think to me that always stood out from the first viewing on Goodfellas, mm-hmm. where it was a really interesting use of popular music. And that was probably right around the time that I was seeing Pulp Fiction for the first time. Okay. And came out four years earlier. Five, okay. right? Pulp Fiction was 95 or 94. You might be right. I think it was. Um, Beat, beaten at the Academy Awards I, by the best film of the year, Boris Gump. Yeah. So, you know, the, the, it was it was a moment where I was kind of paying attention to that sort of thing, yeah. and I was thinking about, oh, that's interesting how they're using, but which Goodfellas, it's a much more sort of purpose driven yeah. in terms of chronology yeah. and back, background noise as opposed to star of the show. Yeah, I don't know. There are some of those You're sequences right. where it is star. I mean, that whole sequence with Layla mm-hmm. and they're all getting killed over the you know aftermath of the Lufthansa Lufthansa heist. Yeah, it's pretty powerful, and that it ends with. Pesci's death. I mean that that's that's a lot to take in there. So. Good shit. Yeah, I think y'all are wrong. I'm right. No, no. I <laughs> hey, I was I just ended it by paying him a lot of uh, respect there for the uh, use of music. So I mean, yeah, I, I there's think... a lot to be seen. There is by no means what I tell people don't see Goodfellas. What I would say is this is not the first time David, see Goodfellas. Yeah, this is not the first time David that you've talked about a heightened a heightened revulsion of certain types of violence yeah as you get older you're shying away from this being glamorized you've talked about that uh, 
at least once before on the, on the podcast. It, it is it is how I feel these days. I'm not as mat- I'm not maturing the same way that you. <laughs> no, are. but it, but I'm I think just you not. you were making good points earlier that there is some kinds of violence, the cartoon violence that I still go with, superhero violence. Yeah, the, and, and the when, we, when we were violence. all anticipating um, Tarantino's film this year, we knew there would be something. Yeah, especially given the subject matter, not knowing how it would be handled, there was going to be some crazy violence yeah. in this film. And it just doesn't it doesn't bother me if it's if it's artistically and interestingly presented to. Well, me. I think that was some of his best use of violence. Yeah, it was great. Okay. I didn't All care right. for it. Um, but I love John Wick, so fuck me. Right? <laughs> <laughs> um, but did you love clown shoes? A, a, a uh, beer that's a lot more Furiosa. accessible than some of the beers that we that, that David Furiosa. and Carlos usually bring to the table. In terms of distribution, yes. In terms of palate. Maybe. Yeah. Um, I think it's pretty good. I mean, it's not the chili. It's not super chili forward. It's, no. um, I mean, for all intents and some. purposes, yeah. it's a pretty standard stout mm. with a little tiny, maybe like a uh, twist and flair. Yeah. Um, I want, one thing I will say though, that since we opened it and I started talking about it to right now, as it's warming up, it's getting better. Yeah. Which, which is something I guess we could discuss, the proper temperature uh, that well, to yeah. serve a stout. Yeah, I mean, stouts it do It shouldn't tend... come in a frosty mug. No. Nothing should ever come in a... Look, if you are listening to beer in a movie right now, and you are drinking <laughs> and a you beer have mugs out in of your a freezer? frosty mug, take two steps back from where you're standing right now and literally fuck your own face. Hey, whoa, whoa, whoa. Hey, hey, wait, wait a second. Hey. How with, would with the exception that? of... I Does will... nobody get the Tropic Thunder references that I make? Uh, I, it's a tropic, I, need, I need to see it It's again. a Tropic Thunder reference. Tom Cruise The older I get, the less I like blackface. Whoa. Just a joke. <laughs> he was Academy Award nominated for that role. <laughs> Last week, um, David, you, we drank that big bully stole my lunch. Yeah, PB and J Porter and your the cough crit- syrup. Yeah, your well for me the <laughs> criticism was well, that, the, that was his, that was his no, take. No, he, he is take, right. Yeah. Hold on, I don't want anyone to hear a two word review of that beer. My criticism was that the jelly portion of that had that cough syrup thing that Carlos enjoys bringing up. <laughs> <laughs> but your criticism was that the mouthfeel wasn't. Yeah. Right, yeah, and, and I did not understand or agree with that at all. Okay, I'm having this that time, problem right. with this beer. See, I am not with this beer. It, I, I do. I'm gonna. Side it is with gonna Joe have a really? crisp it's, carbonation. Because as I've tried to, th- I, I've thought about. Yeah. I, I, whenever our podcast comes out, the first thing I do is listen to it. I'm, mm. I'm, I'm ego based that way, M- much <laughs> like a uh, thin egoed mafioso. However, <laughs> I will say that he's this, only as good as his last hit. When I'm drinking a stout. Yeah. I don't want it to have a crisp carbonation to it. No. And that's what I'm getting with this. Really? Although I'm enjoying the flavor and the chili bit the chili bite mm-hmm. at the back of the at the back of the yeah. taste. Yeah. I I <laughs> I find it to be a little bit thinner bodied than I would want it to be. There you be. go. And I I do think that what Carlos was saying though too about the chili not being as pronounced as it could be. I'll agree with that as well. I think it's still pretty good. Yeah, this is. This, I mean, it tastes it, good. We're, we're I, to some extent, I feel like we're splitting hairs here a little bit, but it's important for us to do that as critics. Um, you know, if you're, to me, if I'm in a bottle shop and I'm looking at this and I'm looking at Shokavesa, I'm going to go with Shokavesa. If I've had both, I, I agree with you 100. percent Because that these are those are both kind of widely available takes on these kind of Mexican chocolate stouts. Yeah, but. Um, 
But if this was the only one on the shelf, I'd pick it up anyway. <laughs> it, 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 it's not one that I've... This isn't a one and done for me. I would I would go back for this. Yeah, it's. I mean, it's pretty good. I, I don't think that... I may be having the viscosity issues that y'all mm-hmm. are having. Yeah. Not to say that I think it's as thick as I would like it to be, but I didn't find it underwhelmingly it wasn't thin. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, it wasn't really. Cho- it wasn't really. Uh, uh, a point, tripping me up. There's but. a point three difference in the ABVs here, and I got to tell you, I enjoyed that Irishish coffee stuff. And granted, it does have the lactose, yeah, which is going to give it a helps. thicker, silkier. Though, uh, though mouth. Carlos yeah. was saying it wasn't as creamy as he was hoping for. So. Mm. Yeah, not, maybe not as much as I thought that it was. It was definitely fuller bodied than this one we're drinking now. Yeah, and, but I mean, like, no offense, clown shoes, but Evil Twin is a better brewery. Oh, I think. Whoa, whoa. I mean. And almost everything I've ever had from them has been fantastic. Yeah. Uh, and this isn't my first uh, tango with uh, clown shoes. And I've had some really good ones, and I've had some kind of duds as well. I feel like a tango um, with so, someone in clown shoes would be a difficult proposition. There'd be a lot of feet stepping <laughs> taking place. Um, Again, I don't. I would buy. You're you're right, David. It's a good thing. It's not a one and done. If I saw this, uh, I would I would buy it. You're yeah. Probably getting it. And also, I got this from the cooler today. Mm-hmm. Um, so if I was in my local bottle shop again, and this was in the cooler ready to drink, and I could just drive home and pop it open, you bet your ass. Here's, yeah. the, here's the question. Yeah. Do you age a clown shoes? I don't see why not. I, I, th- I think you might need to. I think you could, although this one... This one, no. This one I feel like I wouldn't want to, because Ooh. I think the, the chili's probably only going to die off a little bit, and oh. then you're going to end up... Good yeah. point. I, I would probably want this one as fresh as possible. Okay. Yeah, yeah if I could get it... Within a half an hour after they bottled it, probably, <laughs> probably just good right off the draft <laughs> line. Just my there we go. Yeah. But I mean, I thought that uh, I thought that overall it was pretty good. And I was definitely. I, I got to tell you, the Once Upon a Time in Hollywood was my most anticipated film. If I knew all the movies coming out in January, that was the one I wanted to see the most. I'm very satisfied with it. I, I, I'm I regretfully not as satisfied with The Irishman. I know, Carlos, that your most anticipated film of the second half of the year is coming soon. It is. Uncut Gems. Yes. And the more I read and hear and see the trailers and the marketing for it, I'm super excited. Yeah, I'm trying not to read anything about it. Well, I won't um, spoil a word but for I've, you. But I've seen, I've seen a fair, my fair share of trailers for it. Um, and yeah, I'm also very excited. I think we should also... Um, I'm going to put this out there now on record, um, on wax, as they would say, that we should... I think we should try to compile... Maybe our top five, ten movies of the year. I think so. And those usually come out at the end of the year. And of course, if you've listened to this podcast at any length of time, you know that our distribution down here is a little more limited than if you're living up north, if you're living in a larger metropolitan area. In Austin or something, yeah. But yeah, so I think it, so. It might take us a, a it, it, extra It's usually weeks. the top five films that I've seen this year, knowing that I haven't seen these other ones. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, that are going to come out the last couple of weeks. But... In the meantime, you can let us know what you thought about uh, The Irishman. What are your uh, top films of the year? What are your top films of the year? How has Goodfellas stood up for you as you have aged and matured? <laughs> what have you uh, seen that we? Sh- what have you seen this year that we haven't seen in the sense of we haven't talked about yeah. it and we should? I'm also I'm also curious about that too because I know that there's definitely some stuff that we have missed, stuff that we haven't gotten yet. Uh, AKA Honey Boy mm-hmm. um, did which, not did not come here. Didn't. We also didn't talk about Peanut Butter Falcon, which I saw recently. I did too. 
I highly recommend. Uh, that's my quick little bit about that one. Enjoy- but you can find it enjoyable, uh, and everyone I think would enjoy it, no matter the age of your family. Also, the first season of Even Stevens holds up. Shia LaBeouf. <laughs> had, he, he, he had save it for the Honey Boy episode. He had man. the stuff. He had the stuff from a very young age. Tell us what you think about Shia, what you thought about Irishman, and all that good stuff. You can find us on Twitter at Beer Movie Show, Instagram at Beer and a Movie, Facebook.com slash Beer and a Movie TX. As always, Beer and a Movie Podcast.com is our home base. You can find a link to listen to this episode and all of our past episodes absolutely for free. We are a podcast of the people. If you are listening to this on Apple Podcasts, please rate, review, and subscribe. We'd really we know appreciate that. We very much would. And we know you're going to give us that five star review or that five-star rating, should I say. But also, uh, please leave us a written review. Tell us what you like, what you don't like, what you want to see more of in the future. That helps us out a great deal. And also subscribe, because that helps you. Helps you stay abreast in when we are dropping new episodes, which if you were not privy to it, is every Wednesday. Um, and uh, yeah, this has been Evil Twin Brewing, Clown Shoes, Irishman, Goodfellas, Scorsese, Fucking De Niro. Pesci. <laughs> Pesci. I mean, we could just Pesci. keep going. Yeah, we could just keep going. A star-studded episode. Yes. So remember, never rat on your friends and always keep your mouth shut. Mm-hmm.